excited about it too. Um, really quickly, uh, really quickly, one thing you know, and I'm looking online as well, that, that happens at the table. Conversation. Conversation. Somebody else. Huh? Food. Food. Say this again. I can't hear you. Business. Business. Somebody else. Tell me what happens at the table. Something that happens. Share at the table. What? Deals are made at the table. Elder John? Huh? Bring, break fellowship. Somebody said? Agreement happens. It's so interesting that the same, you basically named the same kinds of things. But to this, for the next few weeks, we're going to learn about what happens at the table of the Lord. As we get started today, I'd like you to get in groups of twos and threes and answer this question really quickly. Identify your twos and threes. Identify your twos and threes. You got your twos and threes? Somebody that's next to you. Make sure somebody that's not only in your family. It'd be dope if actually your whole family. That's a really dope idea, right? It's really good. Yep. And we're going to answer this question. Here's the question. What do you need God to do? that you cannot do for yourself? What do you need God to do that is impossible for you to do alone? Go ahead, you have about a couple of minutes for that to happen. Did you hear some similar things when you were talking with each other? It's kind of interesting. I wish I could have got in, gotten in the middle of your conversation to hear the things you've said. I think it's so interesting. Uh, that kind of request begins to reveal our hearts to us and what we want God to do, particularly when we know he can't, we can't do it on our own. I think it's interesting for you to identify what it is that you can't do by yourself. I want you to go with me this morning as we open the Word of God. I want you to go with me to Mark chapter 7. And for those of you that are, are Bible hogs, that you love the Word of God, this particular story and instant is in two passages of the Scripture, the same thing, Matthew, Matthew 15 and Mark 7. Matthew 15 and Mark 7. May the Lord bless his word today to your ears so that as you feast at the table of the Lord today in the, in the form of this podium, in the form of this service, you are at the Father's table. May he feed you exactly what you need. 
I thank you, Father, for this word is true. Now make it alive and powerful to us and bring transformation, bring mighty change, and bring it now in Jesus' name. Amen. It's one of the, it's one of the most dynamic scenes, powerful, potent, because Jesus has been giving his life and his word everywhere he goes. He ventures outside of Jerusalem. And this is what he encountered when he was outside of Jerusalem. And I need you to understand that he's in a home and he's at a table. Some incredible things happen at the table of God in the scripture. I'm asking the Lord to help me expose it to us so that we might receive for everything, everything that God the Father has prepared is available in his presence at that table. And so it was after he was in a, a heated argument with religious people, with those who had the form, had the words, but they didn't have the life and they didn't have the heart. Religion, a good way to describe it, is having the rhetoric without the lifestyle. And one of the ways you can describe religion is your profession or your confession doesn't line up with your way of life. So your profession becomes empty and it doesn't produce life. In fact, it produces the opposite. So Jesus is having this incredible argument. Um, he's actually giving clarity to this situation. And you can find that in Mark chapter 7. In Mark chapter 7. And if you go to the first part of Mark chapter 7, it's all there. It's a long story. I didn't want to belabor you with it, but some of it I need to tell you so that what I'm going to tell you will make sense what I've told you. Amen. Have mercy. So I want to begin with this woman before Jesus. So let's look at chapter 7. Let's look verse 24. Is that where I want to start? Okay. So Jesus got up and went away from there. Thank God he went away from there. When you read what happened before, then you understand why it was good for him to leave there. Can you hear me all right? Can you understand me all right? I'm practicing doing better. Amen. So Jesus got up and went away from there to a region of Tyre. And when he had entered a house. And I want you to understand this, and you should see it when you read the scriptures in your devotion. Note how many times Jesus enters homes. Much more than the times he enters synagogues. His real, his real ministry, life and power was demonstrated in homes. And the people said, Amen. And he entered a home into a house 
He wanted no one to know it, yet he couldn't escape notice. It's at a point in his ministry when so many people are pressing to him because of who he is and what he does and what he can do and what he did. He, he didn't want anybody to know, so he slips into this home. Obviously, he knows them. But somebody caught a glimpse in that him. But after hearing of him, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately came and fell at his feet. Are you there, saints? The Bible says in Matthew 15, a Canaanite woman from the region, from that region, came out and began to cry out, saying, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Lord, son of David, my daughter is cruelly demon-possessed. So we see here in Mark chapter 7, this woman, she was a Gentile. Matthew, they, Matthew named it. Matthew was a little more detailed, named, named her, she's a Canaanite. Some call her a Syrophoenician woman. Obviously, no man with her, which is a whole nother picture. He came to Jesus and said, have mercy on me. My daughter has an unclean spirit. And in, it's amazing, in, in, in Mark's rendition, she fell at Jesus' feet. Now the woman, verse 26, Mark 7 now the woman was a Gentile of the Syrophoenician race. And she kept asking him, she kept asking him, she kept asking him, cast the demon out of my daughter. Can you imagine someone coming before you and requesting, almost demanding, with a demanding tone, but with a request, and yet underneath you got this kind of uh, desperation. Cast the demon out of my daughter. Cast the demon out of my daughter. Cast the demon out of my daughter. I was asking myself when I was reading the story, how is it that your daughter became demon-possessed? And I thought about where she was from. She was from those other races, the ones that Abraham encountered on his way. <laughs> and, and one of them was the land of the... Canaanites. Are you still there, saints? And she came before Jesus with this incredible request. She, she's, she's desperate because the Bible says she was, she was possessed and, the, and it, the wording is she was tormented by this demon. I'm just questioning today, any parents here who've ever had their children under torment? I mean, if you've ever had a child with colic, you'd be crying to Jesus, help me. How many mothers know exactly what I'm talking about? Just, oh, just let them sleep, just let them sleep. I know some, some, of, the, some of the older grandparents would put a little something in their milk to make them go to sleep. I won't say what they put in there, amen. 
But this woman, this woman was at her end. Lord, cast a demon out of cast a demon out of my daughter. How does she become demon possessed? I think to answer that question, we might have to look at the background of the Canaanites, the things that they involved were involved in, the things they exposed their children to, the lifestyle of of immorality, debauchery, occultic practices. Some of us may not understand that, or maybe we do, because if you knew what your children were watching on their phones, you might reconsider. This girl obviously was exposed to the demonic world, and they attached themselves to her. I don't know if it came down the family lineage in the bloodline, or if it came through the abuse in the home, we had to ask ourselves today how many of our children have been abused in our own homes. And many of our children coming under the influence of a demon. People don't like to talk about that today. They'd rather go to psychological reasons. They'd rather conjure up all kinds of medical excuses. They even have certain letters to my, my daughter's DDT, what is it called? AD what? AD, anybody know what it stands for? Attention deficit disorder, something like that. We have all kinds of terminology we use. And while some of them are valid, I wonder how much of it at the bottom of it is caused by demonic intervention. Being under the influence of a demon means that your attitude and your actions are not your own. And what was the practice of demon that they would torment a child, even causing children to hurt themselves? Now think about how the, I think about the ravage among our children today of even those cutting their wrist, bleeding themselves out. It's a demonic Hey, you want to you, you you have your mind blown. Start raising up the statistics of suicide among our young people. Is anybody here? It's so alarming. Schools don't know what to do about this. I want to declare in Jesus' name that much of this is motivated by demons. People don't want to talk about demons. We've glorified demons. We make demons heroes. You don't believe it? Watch a cartoon network. And many of our parents, don't, we don't get it. I hope maybe this might be a wake-up call for you to check out what your, your children are looking at. This woman, she recognized the torment. She couldn't do anything. Nothing, no medical practice, no amount of medicine, no amount of restraint could keep this daughter from being tormented. And she says to Jesus, Jesus, cast the demon out of my daughter. Jesus, help my daughter. Look what Jesus said to her. Y'all got eyes? Look at, the, look at the scripture. It's amazing what she says. <laughs> And he was saying to her, Jesus, let 
the children, wow, let the children be satisfied first. For it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Well, I'll be. Now, I think it's important that you look at that and see that because Jesus didn't bite his tongue and there's no misprint in your Bible. Whether you're talking about uh, Mark's rendition or whether you're talking about Luke's rendition, you know, Jesus essentially says the same thing to her. But he answered her. I was in, 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 uh, in, Matthew's, in Matthew's version, chapter 15, verse 24. But he answered her and he said, I was sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and began to bow down before him and she said, Lord, help me. Now Jesus said, she said, Lord, help me. Cast the demon out of my daughter. And Jesus said, well, I was sent to, I was sent to, the, I was sent to the children of Israel. What, 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 what is he saying to her? Can you imagine if it's one of the sisters from the hood who had come before Jesus and asked this request? If Jesus would have said, well, I was sent to the white folks. I think it's important in this passage of scripture that the Lord doesn't bite his tongue. He's not playing games. And it appears that he has smacked her down. This woman, check it, check it out. Come, come with me. I'm, check, it gets better. Check it out. But he answered and he said, I was sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And she said, right after Israel came out of his mouth, she said, but she, but she came and bowed down, said, Lord, help me. In other words, yeah, I, yeah, I, help me. I heard you, but help me. Like he didn't say nothing. And he answered and he said, Oh Lord, would you read your Bible? I, when I read this, when I read this, I, it, it messed me up so bad. I said, Oh no, Jesus, you didn't say that to her. Are you all still with me? He said, No, it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. It's not good to take your children's bread and throw it to the dogs. What you trying to say? Can you imagine if she was one of the sisters from the Puerto Rican community? Can you imagine the necology? Can you understand? How would you, what, what, would, what, would he, what, what would be said about that? You want me to get back here? I'll, I'll do it. Okay. I think the lights are, is this better? <laughs> what, 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 what do you think they would have said? If you ask somebody for help and they said to you, well, I was sent to the children of Israel. Yeah, I know, but I need help. And then turn around and say, well, it's not good to take the, it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Are you still in the scripture? In Mark's rendition, he says, yes, Lord. She said, he said, don't take the bread, don't take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And uh, listen at her reply. Are you all there? It's important you understand her reply. But she said to him, yes, Lord, 
but even the, even the dogs under the table feed on the crumbs of the children's bread. Lord, have mercy. So when I read this, I'm thinking, oh, Jesus, now, you know, this kind of radical right here. Because if I follow you, and I look on the surface, if I follow you, what you're trying to say is, I mean, you're playing the race game, ain't you? Hello? Anybody here? I mean, if I look at it on the surface, you know, it looks like Jesus is saying, well, you know, if you're black, stay back. No, no, excuse me. Uh, 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 <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's like the Lord is saying, well, 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 if you're white, you're right. It looks like when you examine this response that Jesus is putting her down. Not just putting her down, putting her way down. Because do you understand what a dog was in Jesus' day? Take, take a second, I'm almost there. Take a second and let me re re rehearse to you what a dog is in Jesus' day. Because what the, the rabbis had a tradition. Um, <laughs> if, if they called somebody a dog, it was a reproach referring to the most despicable, insolent, and miserable of creatures. The metaphor was common and varied among rabbinical speech, uh, a fit description in the minds of Jews for Gentiles. So all the Jewish people would call the Gentiles dogs. In fact, there are other phrases in the scripture that talk about you Gentile dog. Are you all breathing? Okay, check it out. And a, a, a fit description in the minds of Jews for Gentiles who were regarded, uh, Gentiles are regarded as ignorant, godless, pagan idolaters. The people of the world were called like dogs. This is what the rabbis would say. Oh, it gets worse than that. When Jesus talks about dogs in the scripture, he talks about the man, the lame man, and the crippled man in the street and the rich man and the dogs would come and lick the sores from the, from, the, from the poor man's feet. You think about a dog's money, low life, eat anything, go with anything. Hello, somebody. Put his thing in anything. You understand what I'm trying to say? A, a dog was a, the lowest kind of... So Jesus said it's, uh, it's not good to give the children's bread to the dogs. She said, uh, but even the dogs. Now this woman was bad. Look at your neighbor. This woman, she was bad. She was unbelievable. And she was not even a Jew. This is what gets me. She's not born in the Jewish gene. Uh, she didn't have Jewish genes in her. She's a stone heathen. She's a stone Gentile. But she knows something. I know she knows something. The reason why I know she knows something is, first of all, when she came to Jesus, the first he, the way he, the way she, uh, she approached him, she said, she said, she said, "Oh Lord, Son of David." What you talk about, Son of David? What you know about Son of David? How did you know that Jesus was in the lineage of David? 
because she knew something about the scripture. She knew something in the word of God. So she addressed him, son of David. Now Jesus is looking at her, mm. but Jesus who knows all things puts her right there on the edge. And first of all, I said, well, you know, I, you, know I was sent to, you know I was sent to the house of Israel. Uh, she said, yeah, but I need your help. She said, well, well it's not good for me to give the bread to the, to the dog, the children's bread. Children mean the children of Israel. I can't give you their bread. Excuse me. Jesus is calling deliverance bread. Jesus is calling healing bread. Jesus is calling miracles bread. And he said, it's not good for me to take the bread of the children. Talking about the children of Israel. I'm not going to take their bread and give it to you. She said, yeah, yeah, I know that. I know all that. But, but even the dogs, they just eat the crumbs from the table. And I don't need a whole piece of bread. All I need is a little crumb. And if I can get this little crumb, my daughter will be delivered. But it's deeper than that. Because this woman, when, first of all, when Jesus said it's not good to give the children's bread to the dogs, when he says dogs then, he's talking about the street dogs. The outside the house dogs. The untrained dogs. The wild, unclean, filthy, stank-smelling dogs. He, but when she said, but yeah, I know, Lord, but, but, but even the dogs, when she said the dogs eat the crumb, she didn't use the same term. She used another term. The, 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 the dogs in the house. The dogs that sit in the lap. The dogs that are trained in the house. The dogs, the only time they go outside the house is to eliminate. Hello, somebody. Yeah. But, but they stay in the house because they are loved. They are, they are protectors. They, they are in, Lord have mercy. They are in the house. It's amazing to me that, that this story, he gives this story because he's doing all of this seated at a table. I think it's important that we understand that because whatever table Jesus sits at is blessed. Tell your neighbor what I said. Whew. If he goes into your heathen house, if he goes into the house of a heathen and he sits down at a table, the whole house is blessed. And the table is blessed. Because everybody come to that table going to get blessed. Hello, somebody. And, and, and he's in there. Now, I don't know how she got in there. It don't tell us how she got in there. But excuse me, when you're desperate enough, you go where you need to go. And it's amazing to me that, that this woman, she knows, she knew so much. She said, even the dogs eat the, eat the crumbs. And when she said eat the crumbs, that, that term is a term that describes God, God, Yahweh, God's graciousness, God's graciousness, not to the children of Israel, but God's graciousness to the rest of the Gentile world. She already understood the gospel. You know how much time Jesus took trying to teach people the gospel? He had a hard time teaching people who he was, why he was there, and, and what they needed to do. He had a tough time with that. 
You don't believe it? You don't believe it? Okay, okay. Do a little skip with me right quick. Would you check, would you, would you scroll up a little bit to, uh, uh, to Mark 7? Would you, go, would you go there to Mark 7? In Mark 7, Jesus has come and he's gathered together in another house among the Pharisees and the scribes. Mark 7, I'm going to land you in just a second because I can't give you the whole thing. Um, I want to land you um, at verse 6. And, and he's talking to them because they are upset. The scribes, the religious people, and the Pharisees, they are upset with him and they're upset with his disciples. Why? Because they came into this gathering and they did not wash their hands. Look like COVID people. Okay, let's put it another way. They came in the house and they didn't have no mask on. Lord, okay, don't let me, I quit bother. I quit messing with you. Okay. All right, so, hey, you want to wear a mask? Wear a mask. You want to wear a mask? Wear a mask. I ain't wearing it. Okay. She came in there. They came in. Put, uh, okay, I thought you'd stand back here. Okay, now you can turn it on. Okay. So, they came in. <laughs> that is funny to me. They came, in, they came in this house, and here comes Jesus among all the religious, you know, the religious folks in that day had money. So they had these fabulous parties and fabulous house gatherings. Jesus comes, his disciples, they just come right on in. They don't stop at the basin and wash their hands like everybody else. They come on in, and the Pharisees say, why are your disciples, why, why do they break the commandments of God? Do they not know the scripture? <laughs> They're following you. Are you there? He said, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't wash your hands to eat. You have to read the whole from one through six to get all this. <laughs> and Jesus said, y'all are, all you guys are, do all you care about is washing cups and pitchers? And then Jesus said in verse six, he said to them, rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites. Just as it is written, this people honors me with their, come on, lips and not their, their heart is far from me. And then the Lord kept on saying, but in vain, says, but in vain do they worship me teaching doctrines which are really the precepts of men neglecting the commandment of God you hold to the tradition of men please see that in the scripture and then he goes on he says and he was also saying to them you experts at settling aside setting aside the commandment of God in order to keep your own tradition you set the word of God aside so you can do what you want to do now Jesus is talking to them straight up right are you all there for Moses said this people honor says Moses said honor your father and mother and and and, and he he who speaks evil of father and mother is to be put to death but you say if a man says to his father or his mother whatever I have that I could help you with is Corban in other words whatever I have that could help you with is for the church 
you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or his mother. Are y'all looking at that with me? Thus the invalidating the word of God for your tradition, which you have handed down, and you do many such things like this. Are you still with me? And then his disciples said, well, Lord, you were talking, so please help us explain what you were talking about. And Jesus, after he was with the crowd in verse 14, Listen to me, all of you, and understand. Could, you, could I get your understanding listening for a moment? He said, there is nothing, please get this, there's nothing outside the man which can defile him if it goes into him. Let's try it again, because some of you are going to have a little problem with me right now. There is nothing outside the man which can defile him if it goes into him, but the things which proceed of out of the man are the things that defile the man. Do you see the word defile there? How many of you see the word defile there? That's the same reference to this woman, this girl being possessed by a demon. She is defiled. Are you still looking here? So Jesus said, it's not what you eat that defiles you. Some of you are going to have a problem with Jesus about this. Let's read it again. I, want, I don't want to be clear. I want... I want you to see it. Are you all still, are you still, say it again? I'm trying, I'm working at it. Look at, there's nothing outside the man which can defile him if it goes into him, but the things which proceed out of the man are the things that defile the man. If anyone has ears, let him hear. And when he had left the crowd uh, and entered the house, the disciples, question him about the parable and he said to them are you still reading with me are you so lacking in understanding do you not understand that whatever goes into a man from the outside cannot defile him I'm gonna try till your brain can turn on and your brain won't be like Luca's brain and forget that the image was there I want you to I want you to get this in your heart nothing going in to my mouth can defile me. Uh, I didn't write it. Are you still with me? Why? Because it does not, please open your ears, it does not go into his heart, but into his stomach. And is what? Hello, somebody. Okay, for those of you that are going to go radical on me and going to go berserk and go crazy on me, yes, you can eat things and put things in your body which your body will revolt because they, they either have too much or you shouldn't. But when Jesus says defiled, he's talking about your heart and your spirit and your mind. Okay, I'm going to concede with those of you that those of you are super health nuts who want to eat nothing but grass. Okay, that's okay. I, I, I'm going to let you eat. I want to let you eat grass. That's fine. But I don't want you to judge my spirituality because I ain't eating grass with you. By the way, anybody who's preoccupied with those things and puts them over in the spiritual category, you have now, you have now, you have now stepped into a place where the church has to reject your 
your, your philosophy because it doesn't line up with the scripture. While it is true, you had better be mindful if you eat too much sweet potato pie, you're going to have a problem. So don't, don't quote me saying that what the bishop said, you can eat anything. Well, you can eat anything, but something you're going to pay for, right? But let's talk about heaven. You are not defiled by what goes into your mouth because what goes into your mouth doesn't go into your brain. What goes into your mouth goes into your stomach. What goes into your stomach comes down through your intestine. And when it comes out of your intestine, yes, you know where it goes, amen. We take special care, we take special care in making sure that when that food comes out, it comes out in the proper place. Amen, somebody. We make sure that that place is spotless and clean. Somebody said amen, amen. We make sure that what we do and all we have to do to take care of that, clean it up, clean that up, you know, yes, amen. I mean, even dogs, even dogs, even dogs go like this. Right? So when Jesus talks about defilement, you better hear what he's saying. Because he said it's not, it's not the food that's defiling them. It's not the food. Look, please, I'm almost done. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Because, it, yeah, okay. So <laughs> it goes into the man from from the outside cannot defile him because, verse 19, it does not go into his heart. Look at your neighbor and said, your heart is what really matters to God. And when the Bible uses the word heart here, it's talking about the innermost, this is the, uh, the New Testament term for the inner part of man, the spiritual part of man will use this word heart. And the reason why they use cardia is because to the physical body, the heart is a center of control, of life control of the whole body. And when Jesus uses the word heart, he uses it spiritually, thinking that the whole man, you are not just a body, you are spirit, soul, and body. And, and what will impact you, what will defile your soul, what will defile your spirit is, is well, let's look and see. He said it doesn't defile, he said, he said this does not defile him because it doesn't go into his heart but into his what stomach and it's eliminated verse 20 and he says that which proceeds out from the man or out of the man that it that is what the that which proceeds out of the man that is what defiles the man can we look and see keep going don't stop for from within say from within out of the heart of men what comes out of there Come on, tell me. Evil thoughts. Look at your name and say, evil thoughts. Fornications. Look at me and say, fornications. Now, I don't know, what's fornication? It's not, not playing cards. It's not a card game. Fornication, fornication simply means all sexual immorality. Look at your neighbor. Say, so do you know what sexual immorality is? Okay, let me ask it another way. Do you know how many people are defiling, defiling their spirit and their mind because of their involvement with sexual immorality? And you ask ourselves, isn't it interesting that he gives this, he gives this instant before he talks to the woman who has a woman, has a daughter who is defiled? He said, it is, a, he said, the fornications, thefts. Anybody know what theft is? Yes, take what doesn't belong to you. Would you look at your neighbor, please? Because they don't teach this in school anymore. 
It's called a misappropriation. Look at your neighbor and say, stealing. Come on, let's say, stealing will defile you. And then he says, murder. Do you know what murder is? Jesus gives an extended definition of murder. He says, if you sabotage somebody's reputation, you are like a murderer. Have you seen Washington lately defile somebody's reputation? Jesus said, I'll tell you where the defilement comes from. Are you still with me? He says, it comes not only from evil thoughts and fornications and thefts and murders, from adultery. Do you know what adultery is? Ask your neighbor, do you know what adultery is? Because most people don't know what adultery is. What's the other name, baby? I have a significant other, even though the significant other belongs to somebody else. I have a side chick. I have a partner, friends with benefits. Are you all hearing what this, do you, do you hear this? I said, oh Lord Jesus. I mean, he just pulled the covers off and said, this is what defilement is. This is how you get defiled in your mind and your spirit. Are you still with me? He doesn't stop there. Not only does he name fornications and and not only does he name <laughs> evil thoughts, evil thoughts. I didn't even talk about evil thoughts. Oh my God. Does anybody know what an evil thought is? Have you, you know, people are so mad with another person, they just, they're just picturing them with their throat cut. Picturing their, their, their demise. Picturing them mangled in a car wreck evil thoughts picturing how they can take their significant other from them evil thoughts Jesus said this is what defiles you what comes out from you by by the way isn't it interesting he says what comes out and he names thought isn't that interesting I think maybe we need to go back to Jesus for cleansing. And the evil thoughts, fornications, thefts, murders, adulteries, check it out, deeds of coveting. Anybody know what deeds of coveting is? I see it, I like it, I want it. I don't care if it's yours. It didn't even say take it. I see it and I want it. I'm mad at you because you got it and I don't have it. Is that nuts? Like there ain't enough to go around. How crazy is that? Coveting. Are you still with me, beloved? We're almost there. Deeds of coveting and, and wickedness, plotting against others, trying to set other folk up for failure and for fall. Lord have mercy. Are you hearing me today? Because somebody's mother is crying out after their child's involvement with demonic practices. Deeds of coveting and wickedness as well as, come on, he's not done yet. Help me. Deceit. Anybody know what being deceitful is? It's a form of lying and misrepresentation. I told you three quarters of it. 
I didn't tell you everything. I just told you three quarters of it. I withheld the quarter because if you knew the quarter, you'd make a different decision. But I want you to make a decision like I want you to make, so I ain't going to tell you all of it. You understand that? I'm sorry, forgive me. I know this is a little cruel. I don't mean to be cruel to you. But, but, but can you imagine someone whose thoughts are so wicked until they, and, they're, and they're so hurting, and the perversion is such that they have to dress like the opposite sex to lure the same sex into a relationship only to find out when things are uncovered it's not what it is. Somebody said the crying game. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, forgive me. Uh, um, is this too raw? I'm trying to help those that are having a problem. So, look, go back to what Jesus said so that we might receive deliverance. He said, deeds of covering wickedness as well as deceitful sensuality. Everything ain't about sex. You can't even sell a car without sex. You can't sell a boat. You can't even sell a, a pop drink without sex. Why we got to see your rear end just to buy Pop-Tarts? <laughs> Does anybody understand what I'm saying? Or have you been watching lately? Sensuality, envy. Oh, here's one. Jesus said this comes out of a man and this is what defiles him. Slander. Putting somebody in a bad light with no motivation to restore them. It's horrible. Now, I'd, I'd like you to consider these things, not only for you, but your children, because these things give defilement and open doors to demonic activity. Pride, Lord have mercy. You know you're wrong. You know you're wrong. But you don't have the humility to say, I was wrong. And all it would take to restore it all, all it would take to bring it back together again. You know how many marriages are messed up because of pride? All it would take is for you to say, I didn't treat you right. Please forgive me. Not, 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 uh, I, I didn't treat you right. Uh, and, 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 uh, my, oh, that's so horrible. I, I, I heard you. That is so horrible. Would you eliminate this from your vocabulary? My bad. You know, in your flesh, it makes you just want to wind up. <laughs> My bad. Too proud to say, I, I messed that up. I shouldn't have forgive me. Will, will you forgive me? Worse than that, I apologize. What is that? Apology is like, I'm sorry. If I, never done, if I hadn't done it, I wouldn't have got caught. Quit meddling, Bishop, and finish the message. Deeds of coveting wickedness, deceit, 
sensuality, e, e, uh, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. Do you know how much foolishness is sown into our culture now? Foolishness! And all of it's attached to demonic influence. We got people fighting because they lost the, fighting each other, trying to kill each other because they lost the video game. Look at your neighbor and say, foolishness. So when, when, you, when, you, when, you, when you go to our story, our narrative, and, you, and you, you think about this woman, we don't know if she had a husband or not. We don't know if she was a single mom or not. She could have been. Didn't tell us. She could have been a single mom. She could have been a divorced mom. She could have been a, a, a mother who'd never been married and, and and had no man to fend for her. She was certainly there asking on her own. There was no man in sight. The narrative doesn't give us any picture of a, a man accompanying her or protecting her. She just makes her way there to Jesus because she, she, not only did she hear about him, she obviously knew something about him in her teaching because she, she comes to him, one reckless, abandoned, desperate, probably boisterous. They said, the disciples said, send her away, Lord. She keeps hollering at us. <laughs> My wife said, that's how you know she's not, that's how, come, that's how you know her skin is dark. She's hollering at us. Uh, she's not only hollering, she's on her knees. She said, Lord, I'm desperate. And I know who you are. The disciples sitting next to Jesus didn't know what she knew. I know you've come for the house of Israel. And I know you've come from the, for, the, for the Gentiles called the dogs. I know who you are. He's not on the cross yet, but I know who you are. Son of David. If you look in the narrative, I'm going to close it now. If you look in the narrative, you'll see something Jesus said. When she said to the Lord, when she said to him, this is amazing to me. Are you there? Yeah. Just trying to find my place. I'll be all right. I done jumped all over the place today. I think I'm around 27, 28. Thank you for keeping me on track here. Is it right? 28? Yeah, there it is. Because 27 said, because he was saying to her, and you know, what he said to her was blistering. Most people would have got up and left. I don't have to take this insult. That's what's wrong with us right now. We are so culturally sensitive, it's sickening. Yes, sir. 
somebody standing at you looking like looking with they looking at you with a cross eye looking at you on from the other side of the stove and then they're not like you and you're gonna flare up and say well what you looking at well, you, you got a problem so well no I just I just noticed ma'am that your nipple was hanging out of your We are sickening. But like that woman going up the escalator and the man standing behind, you know how escalators stand like, so he's standing behind her, 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 her derriere is right there, you know? So he, he saw that it was kind of, a, oh, despicable because her dress was such that it had clung and stuck in, in between there. And so he reached, you know, he was like, oh, oh I just, he, he pulled it out. She turned around, slap. She said, well, I, so, so he put it back in. Amen. Okay, so. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't think that was quite appropriate, but hey, if you're online, just strike that, okay? Look, look, saints, we are so culturally sensitive. It is ridiculous. We have listened to our culture and we listened to the news and we've allowed them to separate us on the basis of our skin. Are you serious? We make everything a black issue. Lord have mercy. We can't, we can't get the connections that God wants us to connect to. Has got the money, has got the ideas, and got the, got the promotion. We can't connect because we're so busy looking on the outward. And, and if we were like God, he said, I look on the heart. I want to see your attitude. I want to see where you're coming from. Jesus looked at this woman when she said to him, even the dogs. Even the dogs, even house dogs, they eat the crumbs. Nobody, nobody, nobody's grumbling about that. Lord Jesus, all I need is just a crumb. That's all I need, and I'm good. And Jesus said to her, verse 28, because of this answer, oh my God, because of the way you answered me, go! And the demon has gone out of your daughter. Because of what you know about me. You know, for this Jesus breathed for somebody to understand who he was and who is he. He said, I am the one that reveals the Father. If you want to know who the Father is, check me out. Because I only do the things that I see my father do. I only say the things that I hear my father say. If you want to know what the father God is like, check me out. Because I'm the representation of who he is. And I'm sitting right now because where I'm sitting, I'm at his table. And if you can understand who I am, you can get anything you need. Amen. I'm afraid that the church doesn't get it. This woman got it. She got up from there, and the Bible says she went home. Read it for yourself. She, and when she got home, 
They, she inquired at the self-same hour, that demonic spirit. Because no demonic power can stand under the revelation of who Jesus is. No demonic presence can live where Jesus lives. No demonic thing from hell or any of hell's representatives or any of the attributes of hell. They cannot exist in the presence of the almighty, the holy God, Jesus Christ. They can't make it in his presence. And when he said, your daughter is delivered. Everything that was a hold of her life started running. So what makes you think that God won't answer your prayer? About your kids. So what makes you think God won't move heaven and earth to make sure that your children are safe in him? What makes you think that God won't touch your diseased child? Help me a little bit. Bring me up a little bit. Play, loud, play louder. I'll talk softer. <laughs> Hello. Hey, Chris. <laughs> play louder. I'll talk softer. Bow your heads. Right there where you sit. The Father's table is such that anyone who understands who he is is not related to him. The issue is covenant. She, because, because she knew this man, son of David, the promised deliverer, all of Israel knew that the promised deliverer would come through the lineage of David. And she's, she's saying, son of David, David, you the one. You the one. You the one I read about. You the one. Anybody who comes to that table, anybody who comes to that table, you can get what you want. And I'm saying to every parent in this house first, every parent that has a child, you need to know when you go before the Father and you come to that table, you need to know that it's a table of prayer. When you come before him, you need to understand who he is. First of all, he's the one that is ready to give you what you're asked for before you even ask. He knows what you need before you even ask. He's the one who's arranged all manner of circumstances and people and situations and, and, and all manner of provision to come to whatever is needed. But he doesn't enact it until somebody asks. You have the right. Look, if anybody did not have a right, this woman did not have a right to ask. But she knew she had the right because she knew the gospel. She wasn't tuned to her times. She was tuned to the word of God. I want to say to you, every one of you, do not abandon your hope and faith for your children, for your seed. I don't care what kind of trouble they're in. I need you to stand on your feet right now. And I want you to lift your hands. Every parent, I want you to stand on your feet and lift your hands right now. No matter what kind of trouble they're in, no matter what they've been through, no matter how wretched they are. I want to say it out loud. No matter how many sex changes they've had. When you cry out to God for your children, I promise you, he will hear you. He will hear you. You just need to be sure you know who he is. You need to be sure you know who you are compared in his presence. Because all you need is a crumb. And by the way, you are the children. 
when you are the children, you get the whole loaf of bread. You don't, you get crumbs, you can use crumbs, but you get the whole loaf. Father, in Jesus' name, for every parent that's struggling with what I'm talking about now, give them faith now in the name of Jesus so that when they open their mouth before heaven concerning their loved ones, you answer, you open up the heaven and pour out upon them. You send angels and dispatch around them. You bring to pass what you promised days ago. You and your whole house shall be saved. I think I want to do this. Would you bum rush this right quick? If you're a parent, you got kids, you're, you're deep concerned, you like that kind of desperation. Would you, would you, would you, rush, would you rush this altar just for, for a moment as we stand in concert today before the presence of God? As you take the word of God into your heart, you may need to read it again and again. I know we're going to start a series on parenting this coming Wednesday. And what we're going to give you is going to be awesome. And I want you to begin that heart and attitude. And particularly those of you that have children who are, who are grown and they can do anything they want to do now. They don't have to listen to you. And they've been everywhere. And I want you to know that God... God, he has not forgotten. He has not turned them loose. Lift your hands before the Father God today. Those of you that are online, I want you to do the same. Know today that Almighty God has had his eye on every single one of them, on all of your progeny. God knows. I want you to take the faith of this woman. She's not the right race to the immediate culture, but what does that matter when it comes to Jesus? You're not, you can't be the wrong race when it comes to Jesus. This is not a racial issue. This is a spiritual issue. And when you ask, I want you to know. And, and I want to say this to you, yes, amen. If you're married and you're together, you, you need to be together on this. And when you agree together on this, I promise you, from experience, God will answer and he will answer swiftly. Now, Father, now talk to God right there where you are. And if this, listen to me, if any of the defilement has been in your life, I want you to repent of that. I believe some of you were repenting while we were reading it. Jesus made it clear what defiles your spirit, what defiles your mind, what impacts your will. Every single one of these, I want to say it right now, the blood of the Lord Jesus is more powerful than any of them. Father, I invoke the power of your blood over every parent, over every hand that's raised right now. As they receive in the name of Jesus, that's why, Father, we confess that at your table, we eat your flesh, we drink your blood. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for answering this prayer in an incredible way. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for purifying the prayers. Thank you for purifying the parents. Lord, this woman's motive was pure when she asked. May their motives be pure 
as they ask. I thank you, Heavenly Father. I thank you for every prayer that says, bring my child home. Get my child out of that mess. Break open the prison doors for my child. Holy Spirit putting burdens on parents here. And that burden comes for you to pray, to get before God the Father in that desperation and declare before the Lord, say what is true, as she said, what was true. In Jesus' name. I heard the Lord say, this is a test. That some of you were disappointed when God didn't answer like you thought he should or when you thought he would. And you were discouraged and you backed up. But this story comes to assure us of an old word that Bishop taught us. God will offend your mind so that he can speak to your heart. I need you to take courage today that God is still at work. Miss Wanda preached it this morning. Even when you don't see him, he's working. Even when you don't feel him, he's working. Even if you don't have the ability to touch that child, he's working. Even if you don't have the relationship that you think that you should have with that child, he's still working. Because you have the authority over that child. You need to exercise your authority over that child. You don't get off the hook just because things are not going well between you and the child. God is still on the throne. He's still in charge. He still is a God of promises. He keeps his promises. We just have to believe him. We have to apply faith to believe that God has not forgotten what he has spoken. Out of that kind of faith, I don't need you to leave disappointed. I need you to leave with a praise in your mouth, knowing that God is still working. Even when I don't see it, God is still working. Even when I don't feel it, God is still working. Even though I can't get to that child, I can't touch that God, that child, he's still working. Even though there have been harsh words spoken, God is still working. And you need to believe that he is still on the throne and he is worthy to be praised. This woman said, Lord, that's an affirmation that you are above all. You're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You see everything. 
Lord, I only see a limited little thing. I just see, God, that I can't get to them or I can't speak to them or the words that I said weren't, seemed like they weren't getting through. That's what I can see. But God, help me to see what you see. Help me to see how in the still, small, and quiet places that you're still speaking to them and they hear you. I don't have to say it all the time. I want you to open your mouth and pray now in faith. God, touch my child or my children. Touch them like you want to touch them, not like me. I'm not the dictator. You are God. I'm not the one calling the shots. You are God. You have tested my emotions. You have said some things to me. I've seen some discouragement, God, but I choose like that woman. If you want to call me something different, it's all right. I'm still going to believe you. You want to test my heart and see, let me see something that doesn't sit well with me, I'm still going to believe. I believe God. Lift your hands right where you are. Father God, I believe you for these children. I put them afresh and anew in your hands. Thank you, Lord, for receiving them and taking care of them while you're finishing the work. Thank you, Father. I bless your name. Come on, begin to praise him. For what he sees, he sees those children whole. He sees those children not estranged, but back into the family. He, he has the whole picture. He has the picture that you've been longing for. He wants it to happen more than you do. Thank you, God. We bless you today. We honor you. I don't care if they were defiled. I don't care if they have a disease. I don't care what they've been exposed to. I don't care if they're in a different household and there are crazy things happening. God is still able to reach those children. I declare that the Spirit of God reaches in to those households. I declare deliverance and healing for those children. Even when you can't see it. I bless you for it, God. I bless you for it, God. Thank you, Lord. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praises shall continually be in my mouth. It is my testimony. Even when I don't see it. I will bless him. Those of you that have children that came out of a relationship that is broken and you don't have access to them. Those of you that have children who are under the care of someone else and that those other persons may not even be of the Lord. I want you to know God still hears your prayer. And I'm going to make this proclamation 
that God is going to make, he is going to make a way for communication again. He's going to make a way for you to speak with, talk to, communicate with him again. I want you to believe God for that. Even though this other partner may be doing everything they know to do to push you out of that child's life and put you in a bad light. God is the one who's able to get the truth to your child. I want you to lift your hands if that, if that refers to you and that God gives you a grace in the name of Jesus. And I'm looking at it, I'm looking at a week to two week span of the Lord giving a communication break for you to talk with your child in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank you for this, Father. Look for that break. Take that break. Take that avenue. Take that avenue in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Amen. Clap your hands and give him praise today.